Good afternoon. You're listening to KYRS, Thinner Community Radio. Uh, you're listening to Praxis. I'm your host, Taylor. And today, as you might have read on social media, is my last show here on the air. Um, have some stuff queued up for that and a guest to help me and uh, some phone calls expected down the line. But um, yeah, if you're a regular listener, I've been doing the show since April of 2012. So it's been a while. I took a little break at the end of 2016 for reasons you all probably remember. And um, yeah, have been back since. I just have a lot going on. It's time to pass the torch. If you think you have the next Praxis on deck in your mind, you can email us. Uh, You can go to the website at kyrs.org and pitch a show. That's an open invitation for all people, music aficionados of specific genre, um, talkers, interviewers, and the rest. So uh, that's just a little plug for creating your own show. Um, That's kind of what makes up this station. So um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. I've had the opportunity to meet a ton of amazing people, make a lot of connections, travel, do all kinds of great things uh, from doing this show. So I'm really happy about it. I'm happy to keep working with the archive. The archive will still exist online. You can email me at praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S, at kyrs.org to inquire about the location of said archive. But for now, um, I have a former guest in the studio with me and a dear friend, um, Miss Madeline McNeil. Hello. And um, she was on, when were you? You were on a long time ago. It was years ago. It, uh, twice I was on. Uh, yeah, I think it was probably five years ago or something. Okay. That was the first time. So welcome back. Thank you. Um, Madeline's here. Cause, well, I extended an open invitation, so we'll see what happens in general. But you had the idea that makes a lot of sense that I would have been too shy to ask for of asking me some questions. I would love so to ask you some questions. We should trade seats, but I don't really want you to run the board. No offense. So <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for for putting on this show for so long. I think that there are many people that you know and who are listening who would love to extend their thanks. And um, you've been doing this for a long time, once a week. That takes a lot of discipline and a lot of love and care for the topics that you have chosen to speak about over the years. Uh, I'm curious. Uh, so you said 2012 is when you started. So um, were you different at that time? <laughs> I, hope, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what were your aspirations yeah. at that time? Can you put yourself yeah. back in that place? Huh. I think most of us are glad to be different than who we were when we were in our very early 20s. Um, but I'm also the same. Uh, so basically, I started the show as an inquiry because I had at that time been working for four years in nonprofit and I was getting pretty disillusioned. And I think I've gone through that cycle probably three or four complete times at this mm. point. And I'm back in a disillusioned with nonprofit chapter mm. right now. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to kind of know, like, does anything actually work? Like, what is working out there in the world? Because what I'm doing is not working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was I was in that mode. And I think I haven't changed in the sense that I still get really annoyed when things don't work. And I still want to know, like, how can we make the thing work? Mm-hmm. I'm really into that. Um, but in terms of being different, um, I think I'm both less and more hopeful than I was. 
I think I'm less naive about being hopeful about certain things, but I'm more, I have a different scope of what it means to be hopeful, if that makes sense. Well, I'm curious about that. Do you have any examples about kind of what you might have less hope about it? That's kind of a big topic, but, (laughs) but I, but I'm also, oh, I think I'm curious for my own sake because, uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of art and activist kind of things too. So Mm -hmm. if you have any ideas. Well, um, I think less in terms of like, will we actually completely transform society? Mm -hmm. I don't. No, I don't feel super hopeful about this country's capacity to organize on a mass scale. I feel good about the younger generation of people, and I always have. But um, looking around the world at uprisings that are happening and then looking around here um, can be really disillusioning. But I think what's made me more hopeful is kind of just that one way or another on some scale people figure it out and I think being more involved in art the last few years has actually helped me get that a lot more yeah Uh, I'm curious about uh, throughout your throughout this time that you've interviewed many people and explored a lot of different topics do you have any highlights or anything that's that sticks out yes Um, there's a couple categories I think there's like a fa- what I would call the fancy people category. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the fancy people category. Uh, I've got to interview Amy Goodman twice. And that's really my like entry point into wanting to do radio and wanting to do broadcast stuff is listening to Democracy Now! in the car when I was in high school. and like cutting class and parking my car and drinking coffee and smoking and listening to that. You know, so... And to, to have my show right before Democracy Now! is also really nice because it just, you know, it's it's a nice full circle thing. So talking to Amy Goodman, I just really admire her. She's so, I, I literally don't understand how she does her job, especially over the last, over the Trump years, to just every single day wake up at probably 3.30 in the morning and and read and say all the things that she has to say happened in the last 24 hours I just admire her ability to do that and still like crack jokes and be a person so she's in there uh Chris Hedges Mm -hmm. is on the fancy people list um because I have just he's one of the early people that I read a lot and then when he came to town I was able to talk to him uh and then I mean everyone everyone's fancy in their own way I'd say those are like the big credits ones but um lately actually um just this last year I interviewed Darja Mail and he wrote The End of Ice mm-hmm. and he gave one of the most thoughtful interviews I've ever heard in general on climate change um and I'm actually going to play at the end I'm going to play a piece that I made that's more of a abstract radio piece that features bits of his interview so that one and then um Ann Wilson Schaaf who's a writer who's written for years. She does a lot of like holistic theory kind of work, um, living in process. She's about like process and she's in her eighties. She's been writing for years and she gave a phone interview with me that was really amazing too. So. Hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have, uh, are there topics that are still really 
difficult for you to talk about? Actually, I'm going to elaborate on that question. Do you feel like there are topics that you've thoroughly explored so that you have a really good understanding of them? And then are there topics that you feel that are still that you're still curious about or you still feel like you want to explore more? Uh, uh, I feel like I don't understand anything. (laughs) Well, that might be a good place to be. So there's curiosity. I think the more you learn, the more you realize like, oh, no, maybe I haven't learned anything yet. Um, I think that I'm pretty good with, um, I think since the show, even though it's called Praxis, focuses a lot on theory. I think I'm pretty comfortable with some of the psychological aspects of change because it's things that almost everyone talks about across areas but like climate change denialism and right you know um clinging to the status quo in other ways kind of um something that's come up a lot just both in personal life and I think it's just a growing up thing and a living in weird times thing but um, a lot of people have been applying like the grief cycle to political work. So I've been thinking a lot about that. So I feel like I'm equipped to, to talk about it. But stuff I still don't understand is how to engage across. I'm really curious to know, like, how are we going to get out of where we are right now? Um on a personal level with people in my life who I'm really politically divided from, but also just our inability on a macro scale to like have a coherent conversation is, I think that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. I think you and I talk about that. I mean, we do. Yeah. Yeah. We do a lot. I, I know that you do a lot of organizing work in addition to doing this radio show. And so there's a lot of in-person one-on-one, one to a group work that you're, that you do. So do you feel like the radio and also the one-on-one work uh, and the organizing work um, is a good uh, is a good recipe for for making change? I think I'm better. I don't know if it's a good recipe for making change because it's hard to measure still. Um, but I know that my experience as an organizer makes me better at interviewing organizers, mm-hmm. you know, like knowing what to ask and knowing what the pitfalls are. Um, just on a personal level, it's been really nice to have the show because it's almost an outlet to like say the things that I want to say in the meeting that maybe the meeting isn't the time to say the thing, <laughs> you know, like when, when you're having, this is part of why I get frustrated with nonprofit is like, when you're having an hour-long planning meeting for some campaign or some project, it's not possible to go into the weeds on, like, what is our grand strategy and, like, what historical strategies are reflected in our current work? You know, like, it's just not – a lot of times we don't make time for that. Mm-hmm. I think we should. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think under capitalism, we all have – come to the meeting from our job or two jobs or picking up our kids or whatever we're doing Um, and it's difficult to go deep like that sounds more of what I try to do which is the philosophy and the art the art Mm parts and that's where you're transitioning into uh, now with 
uh, going to school for audio tech. Mm -hmm. And um, do you want to speak at all to... (laughs) Maybe. uh, Well, (laughs) I mean... No, it's okay. Uh, Maybe... um, Well, maybe we'll save that for a little bit later. It's like, what are some future things? But Mm. I am curious if you have any advice for people who might be aspiring to do a radio show, particularly women. Uh, I think that is just really important um, personally from a female perspective to look at a lot of these issues that you're tackling. Um, first, yes. I think that I, I mean, radio specifically, not so much with podcasting. Podcasting is so diverse and I really like that I've been able to distribute on that platform because it's really changed how, whose voices we hear. Um, but if you listen to mainstream radio, particularly talk radio, like AM old school talk radio, it's almost exclusively older, whiter men, folk, cis men, old, Mm -hmm. wealthy access to power already. And then with a microphone in front of them and, um, I think it's really important that, you know, not only women, but kind of anyone who's in a marginalized mm-hmm. identity be able to speak and have the um, something that's nice about radio. This is just my sales pitch for getting involved in radio and podcasting in almost 2020. Um, it's a resurgent medium. And something I've loved about it is the anonymity. Mm-hmm. Like I show up here in sweats and not wearing makeup and whatever, you know, depending on if I have a guest or not. And I love that because it's a medium in which it is 0% about my physical appearance, Mm -hmm. which I think is something that women in media face increasingly, you know, women of color, trans women are going to face that scrutiny even in a more harsh way than I do. as like a young, you know, white cis woman, but, um, that's really freeing and I think it's really great. And it's also just kind of anonymous. Like you're not, even if you're a famous person on the radio, which I'm not saying I am, you can walk down the street and no one knows who you are. It's very magical. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess my advice would be like to say something. If you have something to say, like find a way to say it because it's time to do that. There's lots of easy ways to distribute your content yourself. Most people, the other advice Um, that I didn't take as much just because of time constraints, but like most people, even people you consider like fancy people, like I was saying, will be happy to hear from you. And the worst they're going to do is ignore you or say, no, I don't want to be on your show. But a lot of people are more than happy to share. And we live in an amazing time in terms of being able to just connect with people you admire online. Just hit them up and say, wow. Your work is great. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. Hmm. That's my advice for you, too. I know you're doing cool things, and I know there's people you want to reach out to. So Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, Not to, like, point right at you across the table or anything, <laughs> but... Me! <laughs> I must do things. So... Well, I'm curious, I am curious about on the horizon kinds of, of things. 
I mean, so if you don't have the radio outlet, does that need to go into another? Does that need to go into another place? And do you have plans for that? Oh, um, like do you mean just continuing this kind of work, mm-hmm. like journalism adjacent? Yeah, work. Uh, you know, well, like you said, I'm in school. I've been in school. That's part of leaving. Um, so that just takes a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, and mental energy in a way that I wasn't expecting, kind of naively. I was like, oh, it'll just be like a thing I do on the side. It's like, no, it will require a great deal <laughs> from you emotionally and mentally. Um, but like I said, I in a while, uh, I'm going to play something that I made this summer that's more along the lines of what I want to do. I've been getting more exposure to kind of like avant-garde, like broadcast arts stuff. So Mm. I'd like to produce some things for this station. I'm not like breaking ties with KYRS and disappearing forever. Um, It's more just a transition. And um, sorry, I think someone's calling me on my cell phone who I'd like to call me in the studio, but we'll take a break in a second and figure that out. Um, So I'd like to do more of that. And I have this huge, I was always setting too big of a plate with this show and wanting to like transcribe. When I've transcribed episodes, people have been super happy. Like they've been used in syllabi for classes and like things that would never happen from the audio only. They're found a lot more. They're easy to search online. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to just work with the archive because it's huge and get around to some of that, some of the transcription, some of the remixing, some of the editing, um, changing things around and submitting them to other places. So, I mean, I could work for, I could work for 10 years off of the archive because it's so long and, uh, we're getting a call. So I'm going to take it real quick and just see who it could be. Um, we're going right onto the air, which is like such a terrifying thing to do. Caller, can you hear me out there? Hello? Caller, you are on the air. This is Taylor? Yes, hello. Sorry, I pushed the wrong button. Peter Warby from the Fifth Estate calling from Detroit. Hi, Peter. Good to hear from you. You're on the air, just so you know. I know I'm legally obligated to tell you that. I know. I did a talk show for a long time. Good to hear from you. Um, Well, I know who you are. You're Peter Warby from the Fifth Estate. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself for those out listening? Because it's been a few years since you were on the show. Yeah, well, um, the Fifth Estate is the oldest English-language anarchist uh, publication in American history, and I have the privilege of being one of the editors of it. Uh, It began in 1965, and it continues on strong today. You can go to fifthestate.org. And, 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 uh, I I don't know what. Um, I'm just so impressed with the work that you've done. You, You were... Uh, were you a guest on my show? Yes, when I was in Detroit, we we did a one for one. I think that's right. It's that's been a while. Right. That's a fuzzy time for me, but yes, I believe we did a swap. Yeah, and so I've probably missed because uh, I haven't heard all the show. Uh, what's next for uh, Taylor Weech? Oh, we've been talking about that. My friend Madeline's here interviewing me for a oh. change, but um, I was just saying before you came on, I probably have 10 years of work to do on my archive alone, so I'll be remixing and doing other things, but yeah. 
And you're committed to Spokane? Or what do you call it there? No, Spokane? What, Spokane. Spokane. <laughs> Spokane. Sorry. What was your second one? I haven't heard that I one. don't know. I just okay. made something up. <laughs> um, no, well, I'm, I'm looking at school and, and making, some, making some moves, so I will that, keep you posted. But That's good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's good I, that radical media is uh, alive and well, both online and, well, in print, because the Fifth Estate magazine mm-hmm. is print. Um, so many are just giving up the ghost, but the Fifth Estate, actually, the circulation is growing, and uh, we're, we're uh, you know, just pleased uh, as can be. I mean, I think, I think there's room for both. Uh, mm-hmm. um, certainly shows like yours, uh, the, the news site, it's org because uh, one of the things that a, a publication like the Fifth Estate that comes out quarterly can't do is bring people right up to, mm-hmm. um, you know, give people the, the current news because that's what we expect now. Yeah. Well, I can't do it once a week. I mean, it's <laughs> things oh, move fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you in my email that uh, you responded to, I'll ask you the question that I ask everyone um, before we go. What What's giving you hope lately amid all the chaos of the world? Well, there's, there's a built-in assumption in your question. Uh, what gives me hope? Uh, <laughs> there, um, I, I guess there's a lot. When you look at Hong Kong um, and, and people that... Uh, just uh, won't give up. On the cover of the Fifth Estate, um, I don't know if you've seen that photo before, but there's this young woman in Santiago about six inches away from the face of a robocop, just staring him right down. And the, the legend, the headline we put on it is, we won't back down. And, and I guess as dark and as threatening and as dire as things uh, seem from the environment to politics, people just won't stop resisting. It's it's built into our DNA. We don't like being told what to do. Some people do. You know, about a third of the population loves being told what to do. Mm-hmm. But most people, um, it, uh, it it rubs them the wrong way. And we inventively begin to develop forms of resistance. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it's popping up all around the world. Not very much in the United States yet, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't tell. Yep. I mean, we can, yeah, I hope that to go back around that, that we'll catch on at some point here. But, well, thank you so much for calling. And I will share your link to Fifth Estate for people who don't get it. I did see that because I get it in the mail, old school. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, congratulations for all you've yeah. done. And, uh, stay in touch. Hey, and, same to uh, you. Yeah. You, you uh, deserve a lot of credit. Oh, Great oh, to talk to you, Taylor. Shucks. Thank you, Peter. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. So that was Peter Warby, who is the editor of Fifth Estate Magazine out of Detroit. Um, he's someone who I met through writing and then met in person on my road trip in 2015. So, yeah. That was a grand adventure <laughs> that yeah. I still haven't heard the story of, like the full... Oh, the full reflection on mm-hmm. on all of that. Well, that might be what I work on first because it was such a big undertaking. So it was the entire summer and it was like, I mean, it's it's like 40 hours of content and like thousands of photos and 
blah, blah, blah. So yeah. what I'd really like to do this summer will be five years since then. So yeah. I'd really like to, I'm planning to, depending on what happens with my summer, do perhaps a condensed, a condensed revisitation and meet some of those same people and say, hey, five years ago, you said this. That sounds a little more like a gotcha than it would be five years ago. <laughs> yeah. You claim to be committed to the revolution. But now, no, no. But just to see where people are at, because um, I think that's just interesting. You know, we hear about people who who made big changes and, and their lives get kind of mythologized. And it's like, one day Martin Luther King Jr. woke up and he was a radical and then he did all these things. And that's really, I think it's more helpful. It's been helpful for me to see people over the years, day to day. Mm -hmm. um, and one day they're very discouraged and the next day they're out there on the bullhorn. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And as somebody, since I've been traveling, I've been traveling too for the last, oh, two years or so out of a vehicle and staying with people. And that lifestyle is, uh, it's uh, its own challenge um, and I'm now coming to a place where I want to stay in mm -hmm. a place for a little while. So there's there's a different kind of there's this kind of a mythology around being a traveling person, but it really is difficult to do and to keep your spirits up. And also, if you just are a person that needs to be around people to see your growth over time, just have people with you. It can be a really difficult uh, challenge. So. I'm mm -hmm. curious about that as well for you, um, how that was for you when you were traveling. Oh, the road? Yeah. Um, it was great. Honestly, I loved it because I'm pretty introverted mm. and I was alone. I said right afterwards that if I went again, I would bring like a really cute production assistant with me to like mm -hmm. ride shotgun or, or drive while I edited because I was driving. I mean, I was driving seven or eight hours some days and then doing interviews but then not having time to edit mm -hmm. I like really toyed with the idea of like editing while driving and then I decided that was bad um, <laughs> yeah. so I did not do that I was in a borrowed car so I don't know um I liked it I like the solitude of road trips and the time to think um our phone is ringing again so I'm going to answer it and then I will get back to that hello caller you're on the air this is Sandy Williams. Oh, hi, Sandy Williams. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm Thanks calling for calling in for Taylor's show. This is it. Oh, yay. I'm <laughs> this on the is air I. Cool. You're on the air. Yes. I. Yeah, I should reiterate that always. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, do you want to introduce yourself for those who don't recognize your voice immediately? Sure. This is Sandy Williams, and I'm the publisher and editor of the Black Lens newspaper here in Spokane, Washington, and I've been a guest on Praxis two times, three times, maybe? I don't know. I was going back through, and it's been it's been at least a couple. Um, yes, at least a couple. Mm -hmm. I know that. So so anyway, I heard that this was your last show. I got your um, saw your social media post and thought, oh, I can't let that go without oh, saying you. congratulations. Uh, Going to miss you, but I know when you decide on another chapter that that's a that's a cause for celebration. So, yeah. and I really appreciate all that you've done, um, and I appreciate people who are in media because I know how challenging and difficult that is. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to give you a, a shout out to well, say, you know, I really appreciate that you've hung in there for as long as you have. 
Thank you. I mean, I would say the same times 10 <laughs> to you <laughs> for <laughs> in terms of hanging in there and being in Spokane and making great things happen. So, yeah. Yeah. and the paper almost yeah. five years, right? Five years and yeah. next month. Hey. So I appreciate. So, you know, it's like when you've been in there for years, you appreciate people who've been in there for years because yeah. it takes, it takes something, you know? <laughs> Um, so yeah, well, so I just wanted to be here and say I've, I've appreciated the times that I've been on. I've enjoyed our conversations. I think the topics are valuable. Um, I think the message was valuable, and the opportunities that you gave people to have a voice were really important. And I just want you to know mm-hmm. that. Well, thank you You're so welcome. much. And yeah, do you want to answer the? I asked in the email what I always ask. I know you were just on for the elections, but <laughs> but what is giving you? What is <laughs> What is keeping you going lately? What is giving you yeah, hope? Maybe that's a terrible no. segue. I don't know. Yeah, boy. Yeah, it's funny because I know your question was was making you hopeful. You know, I don't know. And I agreed with your previous caller that said there's sort of a an assumption in your question that there is hope. <laughs> um, so I don't know. You know, I wrote in my a column, my editor's column that I do every month in the paper. You know, I really am kind of going back and forth with Spokane right now and Mm -hmm. post-election. So it it depends on when you catch me, on what day or (laughs) sometimes even at what point during the day, Mm -hmm. whether I'm feeling particularly hopeful or not. Um, But I do, you know, I do see there there's just a core of people that are are hanging in there um, that are refusing to give in. I think that's. Um, something that is hopeful. Um, There are people stepping up. Um, In particular, we have a a person of color who's going to step up and um, to see about being a candidate on city council. Um, That's Mm -hmm. huge. That's really huge. Is that a a secret still in process? Yeah. Okay, cool. I look forward Um, to finding out. Yeah, read the black lens. Okay. Um, (laughs) um, And, you know, in our our Spokane's school board, which I will be at tomorrow to take a picture of this, is going to be majority people of color. I think I would imagine the first time in history in Spokane yeah, that that's the I case. I would definitely assume that. Yeah, and that was a lot of work on the part of a lot of people to to bring us to that place. So that's big. So you know, so it's like it's both. So there's like there's this entrenchment. Um, at, that's happening at the same time as this progress that's happening. So, so you know, it just depends on what day you catch me on, which one I'm looking at, you know. Yeah. So <laughs> I, mm. think, I think that's kind of the non-answer to your answer. Yeah, no, I, question. yeah. Well, happy to catch you any time of any yeah. day. So, yes, yeah. Yes. Well, I, I look forward to what comes next for you. Yeah, really thank you. Same. And I will, yeah, I'll see you soon. Cool. Plug Take to care. everyone to pick up the Black Lens. Yes, please. Pick up the Black Lens, read it. January's fifth our fifth year. There's gonna be some sort of celebration next month. I'm not sure what it's gonna be yet. I never know. Um, but I'll be doing something to say thank you to Spokane for five years and you know, let's see what the next five years bring. Awesome. Well thank you so much. Yep, you too. Okay. Bye bye. Yay. Sandy Williams. So that was Sandy Williams. If you missed that, she is amazing as you know if you live in Spokane she also she didn't mention but she hosted a show on KYRS for quite a while I won't put a year date on it called Revolutionary Spirituality 
And I know that we're making some updates to the website here and she's hoping to put her full archive on there of her old show. She did some amazing interviews and uh, I'll, I'll land mine in the same place eventually. So I didn't know about that. That sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. That's my alley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her show was great. It, it ended, I think, before you moved back here. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember where we were before that, but well, we were talking a little bit about being on the road. Oh, yeah, which kind of goes along with the journalism Mm -hmm. uh, lifestyle, Mm -hmm. and uh, and that's great to hear that you enjoyed it. Uh, That was well, and I appreciate that the two people who we just heard from are both journalists, but kind of in a rogue way, Mm -hmm. which I really appreciate. you know, neither Sandy's doing there. They both do aspects of kind of traditional journalism, but they also are really unashamed to bring a specific lens and intention to reporting mm-hmm. that. And I, I like that. I find that really valid. That's, that's what kept me from going to journalism school is the whole, like the truth is in the middle and objective facts. Mm hmm you know someone has the 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 what am I trying to say monopoly on objectivity and that is a problem Mm -hmm. for me yeah yeah anyway but um I do want to play this at some point and I don't know if I should play the whole thing or not. What do you think? Do you have any other burning questions for me? Well, I could talk to you. I mean, we could get deep if we wanted to, yeah. <laughs> which I'm happy to do. But I want you to play what you want to play also. And um, and we can we can continue on Yeah, if you want. So I might just do half of it, honestly, because okay. we'd be pushing it. So I will remind people, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Praxis on KYRS, Thin Air Community Radio, and... Uh, this is the last show that I'm doing. I'm here with my friend and former guest, Madeline McNeil, who is interviewing me. And I've also been taking some calls from some past guests um, and all the rest. So I will podcast this show. The podcast will continue to live as an archive, which may eventually move. Uh, you can find that by searching Praxis, P-R-A-X-I-S, on any podcasting app of your choice. Um, it's the one with revolutionaries from history in the logo that is not affiliated with a church uh you can also email me at praxis p-r-a-x-i-s at kyrs.org to find all those links or you can just go to kyrs.org slash show slash praxis so all of those links are alive and well so yeah great Mm -hmm. are you gonna play it what should i do it now yeah actually i want to play something else first that um while i find the intro point that I want so you'll appreciate this because you're featured in it that's not the only reason you'll appreciate it but um recorded here not very well before my recording skills were up to par in the KYRS studio um a classic song reinterpreted by the Love and Outrage Choir that you will hear featured in my intro music which shout out to Jason Cross he's wonderful he's also a former KYRS programmer um, who engineered my intro music that you hear every week. So um, thank you, Jason. And here is our Love and Outrage rendition of Bella Ciao. We are workers. We are building. Bella Ciao, Bella Ciao, Bella Ciao, Ciao, Ciao. 
We are poets. We are singing. Bella chow, bella chow, bella chow, chow, chow. We are singing for liberation. We want a revolution now. We are artists. We are weaving. Bella chow, bella chow, bella chow, chow, chow. We are weaving for liberation. We want a revolution now. We are farmers. We are growing. Bella chow, bella chow, bella chow, chow, chow. We are growing for liberation. We want a revolution now. We are humans. We are marching. Bella chow, bella chow, bella chow, chow, chow. We are marching for liberation. We want a revolution now. We are kittens. We are mewing. Bella meow, bella meow, bella meow. And you were there for the recording. My mic just wasn't on. <laughs> Go figure. Seven <laughs> years and I don't remember to turn my mic on. That's live radio. Yes. Yeah. So we did the Love and Outrage Choir for a while. And you had also the Love and Outrage uh, Collective and Zine. And also a uh, you hosted an open mic. Yes. How long did that last? How long was oh, Love and Outrage going? We did two years. Yeah. That's um, great. Yeah, right after the election. And that was a good, that was a good run also. Um, and again, you know, choosing art as a, as a praxis is uh, something I want to keep doing because it's really, if you're into changing people's minds slash feeding people emotionally, um, you know, a long lecture is not really the the way <laughs> I yeah. found as much as I'd love to give people a long stern lecture it just like doesn't work so yeah I agree I think that especially I feel like the academic left likes to think that we can just download a bunch of information mm -hmm. if everyone ourselves. read the right books yes then everything will they change makes smarter choices right but yeah bringing in the the emotions the body that's my yeah it's more of my expertise uh yeah, so I have a little triangle that I think of now, which is health, analysis, and arts. Mm, so those, mm -hmm. the, those three things going together. Yeah. Which I think Love and Outrage provided I for like that. a lot of people. Yeah. The arts. Yeah. Get your health right. That's my PSA from the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, all that to say, I figured out where I want to start this. Good. So um, I guess thank you so much for what you do and for having the idea to ask me questions. Because I wouldn't have done it otherwise. Uh, it's my pleasure, <laughs> and everybody loves you. Oh, I, I, I think that's an oversight. I, yeah. it's true. Yeah, it's true. But I also want to encourage people to give you um, love and thanks for everything that you've yeah. done. Well, you can email me at praxis p r a x i s <laughs> at kyrs dot org. Um, what I'm gonna play? I told you about it a bit on the break. Um, 
but it's a kind of what I would consider like a collage that I made from, uh, it's about climate change. It's from a few interviews that I've done over the last couple of years with, uh, you'll hear Dar Jamail. I did an interview with him about the end of ice. You'll hear, hear both Melody Wynn and Ingrid Soupkook, who were both on my Indigenous People's Day, Indigenous Women's panel. Uh, not this last November, but the one before, which is one of my favorite shows I've ever done also. That was like an honor to be with all those amazing women in the same room. Uh, and then I also collected voicemails from some of my elders. So you'll hear, I think, both of my paternal grandparents, Tim Connor, who has also been a guest on this show, who's an amazing journalist and friend of mine, uh, Adrian Murillo, who's been a guest on the show, B. LaCaf, who has not been a guest on the show, but she is wonderful and she is a musician a pee jammer mm -hmm. uh you'll see her out at the protest with a washboard i think that's all the people you'll hear but i also have some like morse code poetry hidden in there uh some other like found distress signals there's all kinds of stuff going on so maybe you'll catch it um this is kind of a draft version that i made this summer but i thought i would broadcast it because i want to do stuff like this in the future so we'll pop back on at the end this is going to start at a random point so Thank you again, Madeline. Thank you. Yeah. He went to Venezuela. He wound up in Panama. He wound up working for the Panama Canal Company. And so his job was to go out on a boat loaded with dynamite, find places where the channel was closing in on itself, and blow its smithereens and pump it out. And so that's, um, that's when I say he was at war with nature. That's what it was about. My grandpa Gil was on the other side of the coin. He was born in Colfax, Washington, and studied to become a journalist, but wound up being an insurance salesman and an avid outdoorman. He just uh, loved being outside. He loved to go fish for steelhead and be in the woods. A legend was that he uh, worked for the Army briefly catching trout and feeding platoons of, of soldiers in training with his prowess as a fisherman. But there was a day in 1966 that really opened my eyes to what what nature could be and what nature could be in the presence of somebody who was deeply in tune with it. And that was on our one of our trips to the Toucan. We passed through one of the great water gaps of the West. I came to believe and think of nature as cool and invigorating, no matter how hot the world gets. She taught us a cool, invigorating kind of freedom, which kept us going through the years, through the whole school year until next summer. <laughs> um, the other issue is that we are impacted in a large way health-wise. So there is a, there's a high level of uh, autoimmune issues, uh, lupus, for instance, clusters of lupus, um, cancer rates are high. Dialysis. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief. The first stage is denied. Anything mm -hmm. that is going to uh, detoxify the body get, is one of the hardest hits through this process. Um, plus, many of the people have worked in the mine, and well, the first losses that we witnessed were the women, the mothers and grandmothers, who had multiple people, like their sons and their husbands, 
who worked in the mine who came back and they did their clothing. There were several cases where they were the first diagnosed with cancer and passed away early wow. on. Because, the because they were doing the laundry? Because they were doing the laundry. Um, we have others who talk about you know, the, the fact that when they were working there, there was no... Initially, they had short training, but once you got involved and working day-to-day, the occupational and safety standards just went out the window. So people were, were coming home in the same clothes that they worked in, so all the yellow cake and the dust and everything from their boots and their clothing went back into the home. It has been for me, and I've been on the front lines of research on it for nearly a decade, and it's taken me a long time to get to a point of cycling through, you know, at first I had my own iterations of denial to the bargaining stage, which you see a whole lot of people in, oh, well, if I do this, maybe it'll buy us some more time, or I can do this or this, and, and maybe it's not that bad, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe there is still some sort of solution to uh, anger. Mm-hmm. to depression, and then finally into acceptance. And, and I think it's, it's you know, that, that's not linear. Uh, they we recycle back through <laughs> all say, of those. And then, but that's, and then back that's through an, a couple times for some of us. Yeah, yeah well, my, me, me too. I, I think I go through iterations of some of those on a daily basis. And I think it's a question of, you know, hopefully getting to a point where we spend at least the majority of the time in something like acceptance. Well, the impact has been significant um, culturally um, to our ecosystem to our subsistence food gathering and um, so many things have been impacted the air quality um, the most significant is the loss of people the loss of our people. the chase. It's my love for the planet and for the natural systems on this planet. There will be no more functional glaciers in Glacier National Park by 2030. So that's less than 11 years from now. We, we have nothing to lose, yeah. right? I mean, we really do. I mean, we're off the cliff. Uh, we are in a climate crisis. We have nothing to lose. And if if that's not motivation, you know, like, hey, look, there's, we're out of time. Uh, the time to go take radical actions, if that's what someone is considering doing, that time is upon us. You're always telling me stories about when you grew up. Yeah. We moved to the house I grew up in when I was about two. It had a little goldfish pond in the backyard, and then behind that was this tall fir forest. It was only a couple of acres, a little island um, between what was the equivalent of I-5 back then in the early 40s. It was called Barber Boulevard, and then on the north side was our little house and a little gravel road in our little neighborhood. And the forest was like ever-present and tall and dark, like 150 feet high or something. And 
a benevolent presence that was always there as the backdrop for whatever activities were going on in our lives. And, and uh, it was mysterious and dark inside and had trails and could always be explored and you never knew what you'd see and it seemed anything was possible there. Um, but, sort of back to the beginning a little bit. One of the great water gaps of the West, it's called Wallula Gap and it's uh, east of Pasco, by the way, about where the Columbia River makes its big hairpin turn towards the Pacific. It's where the Columbia River and actually other ancestral rivers over time just bored a hole through the Horse Heaven Hills, creating this magnificent chasm, this great canyon of uh, basalt and, and still water. And I remember being there in 1966, not just soaking up his joy, but soaking up this beautiful vista of this amazing place. And across the water, hearing the horns of trains going through on the other side of the gorge. And how those horns sounded like French horns from an orchestra. Uh, it's something I could never forget. South Fork of the Payette River had fish in it that endless. Then you could get up on a big rock and just throw your... Was, the water was so clear, you could see clear to the bottom of the river and you could see the fish. You'd throw a single salmon egg down there on a hook. Fish would come up and grab it. And I caught my limited fish any time I wanted to. But my dad would... I really love this memory. He wanted to explain how the moon and the the moon and the sun and the earth worked together to create the phases of the moon and he got out an orange and a flashlight and he moved it around to show me how the phases of the moon were why they were happening and and, and how to understand what I could see as the moon slowly changed night to night and month to month so what I got to that right now is a, an object called the Dumbbell Nebula. And the Dumbbell, it actually to me it looks like a butterfly or a bow tie. It's what's gonna happen to the sun in around five billion years. The, the sun will, in about a billion years, the sun will get hot enough that it won't be possible to live on the earth anymore. But after that, things adjust and the sun will actually swell up slowly. And it explodes. No, it never explodes. And it, it comes up and it'll engulf the earth. And I still love to try and watch, don't we all love to watch the moon go through its phases? So the orange and the flashlight were the beginning of a sense of wonder that how it all works, how beautiful and elegant it all is. Oh, look at that, Jupiter. <laughs> you cutie. Can you see it full stripes from here? I think like, really it's just reminding people that we live on this rare, precious planet. You know, we have a space agency and other countries do too that are trying to find other places that might be habitable and such. And they haven't, you know, they spent, you know, billions and billions of dollars looking around the entire universe. And this is it. And none of us are going to be going anywhere. 
uh, and we have to try to take care of what's still here and, and redevote our lives to that with the, the being reminded what we all know deep down inside of all of our beings. Well, I wish is that, that, you know, we are that part more of people plan. realize that we thrived. You know, there's a narrative of starvation and, and just barely surviving, you know, but our people thrived. That's why we, how we had art and how we had spirituality because we had time to do that even amidst the, the work that we um, were engaged with for, for, you know, to gather from the land and to have that relationship with the land and with the yearly cycle and, and the monthly cycle and all of that. We were still creating art and creating song and story and, and uh, I, wish it, I wish more people would, uh, you know, know about that narrative too. I would say even that, that we're still here uh, as Native people. I think starting there, um, I remember when I first moved to the United States and I would tell people that I'm Mayan, um, they'd be like, well, we thought the Mayans went extinct <laughs> or that they died off. And because there isn't any history or education around that, but the truth is, yeah, colonization happened, but we're still here. And as you were mentioning, we're still thriving and we're, we're survivors and we're here because we need to take care of this land and take care of our um, Mother Earth and I think as long as we have that drive we will continue to be here despite the atrocities that have happened in the 500 years of colonization. We are still resisting, we are still here and we are still as strong as ever.